you have a Bible, I invite you to take it and open it up to the book of Colossians in the New Testament. We're going to be in chapter 2 as we continue our series. If you don't have a Bible of your own, you're welcome to help yourself to one that's in the rack there in front of you. And um, take it home. Make it yours. We'd love to have you take it and read it and get God's Word into your mind and heart. So next Sunday is Easter. Do you, everybody know that? Yeah. So I can't believe it. It's just amazing. And um, so next Sunday is a change. We're going to meet at 10 instead of 9.30, and we'll be down in the other building because we need more room because we usually get a pretty good-sized crowd. So Easter Sunday next week, invite a friend, neighbor, bring them along. Uh, great time to get to share in the good news that Jesus is alive and to proclaim that message in song. Speaking of songs, we're going to sing some more in a little bit after the message, and so kids are going to be coming back because we're going to have some fun with some palm branches and wave those and as Jesus is worthy on Palm Sunday. That's right. Let's pray as we get ready to look into God's Word together. Father, what a privilege. What a privilege to be able to gather in freedom like this and um, hear you speak. Lord, may it be you we hear. Um, Lord, whatever comes out of these lips, may it be ultimately what you want to be heard. Uh, May it be your truth that penetrates our hearts and minds and calls forth uh, the praise and the obedience and the love that you are worthy of. Thank you for all you are and do and all that you are for us in Jesus. We thank you. Uh, Open our hearts and minds now. We pray in his name. Amen. So I'm wondering if you have ever in your life felt inferior. Well, good, because I was hoping I wasn't the only one. Um, Ever felt like you didn't measure up, just quite, didn't quite fit in, weren't reaching the standard? It's really easy to feel that way in this world where we are pretty much evaluated on the four B's. Are you familiar with the four B's? Beauty, brains, brawn, that means strength, athletic ability. You know what the fourth one is? Bucks. That's right. Beauty, brains, brawn, and bucks. If you're, if you're beautiful, if you're smart, or if you're wealthy, or uh, which one did I leave out? Strong. If you're one of those things, then good. You're you're acceptable as far as the world is concerned. You will be affirmed. If you're not, then you better do something to make yourself more acceptable so you can measure up. And if you don't know what to do, all you have to do is pay attention to the commercials. And they will tell you what you need to do, what you need to buy in order to make yourself acceptable. And you know, a similar thing can happen spiritually. Measuring up. It is easy to feel spiritually inferior. That you're not acceptable to God. Because you're not good enough. You're not wise enough. You're not loving enough. You're not spiritual enough. (laughs) And the thing is, there's a good reason for that. Because on our own, 
we don't measure up. Not to God's standards anyway. Romans 3.23, you may have heard this verse. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We don't measure up. We're not acceptable on our own. But the wonderful news of the gospel, that's what we just really want to celebrate all the time, but especially this week. The wonderful news of the gospel is that through Jesus Christ, God God makes us acceptable, fully acceptable. The very next verse in Romans 3.24, So all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, are made acceptable by His grace as a gift. Did you know being right with God is a gift? It's a gift. Through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, through the redemption that Jesus accomplished. Do you know what? Even if you're a Christian, even if you believe in him, even if you have received that wonderful gift, you may still feel inferior at times. And there could be a lot of reasons for that. One reason is that there are people who will tell you (laughs) that you still don't measure up. That simply trusting in Jesus is not enough. You need more. You need to follow certain rules to measure up. Or you need to to observe certain rituals to measure up. Or you need to experience some supernatural experiences in order to measure up. If you really want to honor God, if you really want to be a part of His inner circle, if you want to be fully acceptable. And this is not new. This is not a new phenomenon. This has been going on from the very earliest days, Uh, and there's an example of it in our passage from Colossians for today. What I want to do is I want to explain what was going on then, and then I want you to see how the Apostle Paul responds to what was happening then to make those people feel inferior, and then I want to see how that applies to us. Because you know something? It's really important. It's really important that you know if you're acceptable to God. It's really important to know if you measure up to Him. So, what was going on? Well, back in the day when the gospel of Jesus was first being proclaimed and churches were being established, one of the biggest challenges that the people faced was coming to terms with this shocking message that now both Jews and non-Jews, Gentiles, were to be included together in one people, in, in the one family of God. Now you hear that, and I hear that, and we think, well, of course. I, that just, of course it's that way. Of course that's how it is. No big deal. But see, it was a big deal. It was a huge deal for people back then, because for centuries... The people of God had essentially been one nation, one ethnic group, the people of Israel, the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, not exclusively, not entirely, we have in the Old Testament several examples of non-Israelites being included in the people of God. Uh, You read stories about people like Rahab and Ruth and so on. 
And God had made it very clear from the very beginning that his plan had always been a worldwide plan. If you go to Genesis, back when God first chooses Abraham and makes himself known to Abraham, he says, I'm going to bless you and make you a great nation. And he says in verse 3 of Genesis 12, I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And notice this, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God's plan has always been a worldwide plan. But by and large, for the most part, if you wanted to be included in God's community, you pretty much had to come to the land of Israel and you had to become part of the Jewish people. But all that changed with the coming of Messiah, with the coming of Jesus. Jesus is now fulfilling God's plan to bless the whole world by building his church, his people, from every tribe and language and nation. He told his followers, go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. So, see, the church is not a national thing. It's not to be composed of one ethnic group. It's not to be composed of one culture. It's to be an international thing made up of all ethnic groups and all peoples and all cultures. Well, see, this was just a huge change for those who had grown up as Jews and keeping the law of Moses and following all the Jewish traditions and and pretty much keeping them away from Gentiles. You know, those, those were the bad people. Those were the bad guys. And unfortunately... Many Jewish people had had lost sight of God's plan for the whole world. They just lost that in in God's plan to redeem the whole world. And and this idea of Jews and Gentiles all being together in one community, one people of God, that was a really hard thing to swallow. And so one of the earliest questions that the Christians, the followers of Jesus, had to deal with was, was this. Do Gentiles have to become Jews to be Christians? Do Gentiles have to become Jewish and obey the Jewish law to be Christians? And you can read all about this in Acts chapter 15. And the answer was a resounding no. No. You don't have to get circumcised. You don't have to obey the law of Moses to be right with God, to be included in his people. And and again, we hear this, and it's just hard for us to grasp how radical this was. But they took a stand and they made it very clear. Jesus, through his apostles, made it very clear. This is the good news. It is Jesus alone who makes us right with God and connects us into his people by his death for our sins, by his resurrection. And what connects us to Jesus is faith, putting our trust in him putting our hope in Him, in Him alone, not anything we can do, not our performance, not rituals, not anything. It's faith, what He did. It's Jesus plus nothing. That's the gospel. Jesus plus nothing. But some people just couldn't accept that. There are a lot of people who can't accept that. It sounds too easy. sounds too contrary to God's law. And so 
Some of them, they went around and they went to Gentile churches, predominantly Gentile churches like this one in Colossae, and they, they started telling them, you know, believing in Jesus isn't enough here. It's not enough. Yeah, that's a good start. But if you really want to be right with God, then you've got to obey all these laws. You've got to obey the laws about circumcision and kosher foods and annual feasts and new moon festivals, and you've got to keep the Sabbath. You need Jesus plus moral performance. Jesus plus moral performance. You need, to, you need to keep those rules in order to be right with God, in order to be included in his people. And some of them apparently were also telling the Colossians that you need Jesus plus certain supernatural experiences, certain spiritual encounters, you know, something involving, as we read here, angels or visions or some other miraculous display of spiritual power. Trusting in Jesus isn't enough. You need Jesus plus some awesome displays of supernatural power in your life. And there are people who say the same thing today. Is that true? Is that true? Do you need more than trusting Jesus to be right with God? Do you need more than trusting Jesus to be included in his people? That's the question the Apostle Paul is addressing in Colossians 2, 16 through 19. I want you to see what he says about it, because we need to hear this loud and clear. Now, to sort of set the table... You have to know that what he has just got through saying, and if you didn't catch last week's message, you can go online, hit go to philida.org, and you can listen to any of the messages anytime you want to. But we talked about this last time. What he has just said, he's just got through saying this, that through faith in Jesus Christ, God unites us with him. We become united to Jesus in his death in his resurrection, and because of that union with Jesus, we receive new life. We receive a new identity. We receive complete forgiveness for all of our sins. Now he goes on and he says, and because that's true, because if you're united with Christ by faith, you've been united to his death, his resurrection, you've received new life, new identity, complete forgiveness of sins. Verse 16, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, entering into visions or going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, not holding fast to the head, that's Christ, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. Here is the gospel answer to feelings of spiritual inferiority. Feeling like you don't measure up. All right? This is it. Regardless of what anybody tells you, regardless of what you may tell yourself, 
if you are connected to Christ, if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, then you are fully acceptable to God. Period. You put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are fully acceptable to God. Period. Now, I want you to see, and it's going to take a little unpacking here, okay? But I want you to see the reasons why that's true, the reasons Paul gives why that's true, because we need to understand, we need to believe these reasons. Why? So we don't get blown away, we don't get messed up by every new idea that comes along or every idea that doesn't really line up with the gospel. So we got to understand these two reasons that he gives here. Why, if you're connected to Christ? Because if you hear that and you say, oh, yeah, okay, I believe in Jesus, but I don't know, I just, it doesn't feel like I'm good enough. Okay, you got to understand these reasons. If you're connected to Christ, you're fully acceptable to God because, first of all, Jesus fulfills God's law for you. Jesus fulfills God's law for you. Now, it's going to take a little unpacking here, so I hope you came ready to think. Are you guys with me? Somebody nod, please. Just, okay, thank you. All right. All right, now, verse 16, talking about questions of food and drink, uh, regard to a festival, Newman Sabbath. Okay, these are talking about regulations contained in the law of Moses that God gave to the people of Israel through Moses. And we have these in our Bibles. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? And these are rules that were mandatory for the Jewish people, for the Israelites. And we read those, and you've had this experience, haven't you? You think, I'm going to read through the Bible. And you start in Genesis, and that's a good story, and it's great. And you get in Exodus, and, and there's a great story in Exodus. And then you get to this part about all the tabernacle stuff and the furnishings of the tabernacle and build it this way and all these details. And then you get to Leviticus. Oh, my goodness. And you're done. <laughs> and you think to yourself, what am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do with this? Are we supposed to not eat certain foods? Are we supposed to not do any work on the Sabbath? Which day is that anyway? <laughs> and here's the, here's the issue. You want to be obedient to God. You want to trust God. You want to obey God. I, what am I supposed to do with this? If I'm not obeying this, am I being obedient to God? Am I obeying God? It's a big question. It's a very important issue. And the New Testament talks a lot about this. And you see it. Here in verse 17, in this contrast between shadow and substance, it's telling us that the rules talked about in verse 16 are shadows compared to the substance which is Christ. Here's what that means. Christ, by his coming, on all that he taught and all that he did, especially on the cross and rising from the dead, Christ by his coming has fundamentally changed how we relate to Old Testament law. Jesus made a new covenant that is different in significant ways from the old covenant God made with the people of Israel. And Jesus said this in Matthew 5.17, 
Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And here's what that means. We need to look at everything in the Old Testament in light of Jesus. We need to look at everything in light of Jesus and what he said and what he did in order to apply it properly to our lives. As the fulfiller of the law and the prophets, Jesus is the one who shows us what it means to obey these things. See, this you want to be careful here. This isn't saying that obedience is now optional. You know, hey, I'm a Christian. Jesus fulfilled the law, so I don't have to obey anything. Rules? What rules? There are no rules. That's not true. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, 15, look at this. If you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. In fact, the passage I mentioned earlier where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, the end part of that is uh, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I commanded. So what's changed is not that we obey, but something did change. And what did change is what we obey. Okay, when it comes to what we obey, when we apply the Old Testament in light of Jesus, in light of his coming, his teaching, everything that he did, the new covenant he established, his death and his resurrection, okay, this is going to mean some significant changes. It means that some things, some laws, are superseded by him. Superseded. In other words, his coming and what he did rendered some laws obsolete. And mainly, this is talking about those old covenant rituals involving the temple and the sacrifices and the various rules about clean versus unclean. Because, see, all of these things pointed to Jesus and his perfect sacrifice that he made that makes us clean, that makes us completely holy in God's eyes. Which, would mean, which means this. If we were to continue to observe those rituals and those rules in the same way, we would, in effect, be denying the sufficiency of Christ and His sacrifice. And we don't want to do that. The book of Hebrews talks all about this. As if this is an issue that you're really wrestling with Spend some time in the book of Hebrews and read it carefully. But look at Hebrews 10.10. It says, we have been sanctified. Okay, that means made holy, made clean, made set apart to God. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So his sacrifice supersedes all other sacrifices and rituals. That's why we don't have an altar, people. That's why we don't tell you to bring a cow to church or a sheep or whatever. Because Jesus, as fulfiller of the law and the prophets, through his one sacrifice, rendered all sacrifices, other sacrifices, obsolete. All right. That's how he fulfills some things. 
There are other laws that Jesus fulfills in a different way by his coming. He fulfills them by enabling us to understand and obey their true intention. So, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gives us several examples to show us that really obeying the law is not just an outward external thing. You know, Jesus says, um, okay, so there's this law, you shall not murder. Well, don't think that if you haven't actually gone out and committed murder, that you've kept that law. You know what that law really means? It means don't even hate. And so he takes that law and he makes it deeper and he makes it broader. And we think, how in the world can I live that way and not even, how can I keep God's law? Only Jesus in us. Only by relying on Jesus and His Holy Spirit within us. Only He can bring about that kind of change in us. Only He can fulfill the law in us in that way. So, when we look at the Old Testament now, in light of Jesus, the fulfiller, we see that some laws are superseded and some laws are expanded and made even deeper. Romans 13, verse 9. The commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment, they are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfilling of the law. See it? You can't say, yeah, I don't have to keep any rules because Jesus just told me to love people. Are you kidding me? That law encompasses so many others. It takes it and it expands it. and it apply, I mean, it's just huge. So what we obey has changed. But something else changed too. And that is why we obey. Why we obey. Now, it's actually not really so much a change as it is an emphatic clarification, okay? Because, see, people frequently misunderstood the purpose of the law. People still do. They saw it as a way to earn God's approval. And, you know, people say, well, you know, it was law in the Old Testament and grace in the New Testament. That's not a good contrast. It's grace all along. But the grace God manifested through the Old Testament is different than the way he manifested in the New Testament. The point is, you, it was never you gain approval by obeying the law. And this is made even more crystal clear with the coming of Jesus, okay? We've got to get this. We don't obey to gain approval with God. We, gain, we obey because we have approval with God. We don't obey to get into the family of God we obey because we are in the family of God. Okay, there's so many different ways you can say this. Good deeds, we don't, uh, it, we're not saved by good deeds, good works. We're saved for good works. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace, grace means gift. For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. It's faith that connects us to the gift of God. 
And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Look at that. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see it? You see it? Okay? The reason we obey is because we trust Jesus Christ. And we love him and we know him. We're not, we're not obeying to, to you know, gain his approval, but because he's given it to us. So if you are connected to Christ, you don't need greater moral performance in order to be acceptable to God, in order to get into his family, because Jesus fulfills God's law for you. Okay, that's really critical to get. And then there's another reason. Here's the other reason you are fully acceptable to God if you're connected to Christ. Because Jesus has all the supernatural resources you will ever need. Jesus has all the supernatural resources you need. Now, verse 18 is interesting. It talks about people who go on and on about asceticism and the worship of angels and visions and, you know, you read commentators on this, and they disagree on what all these details mean. But whatever the details mean, the main idea is clear. What they were teaching is you've got to have some kind of supernatural, super spiritual experience if you really want to know God's will, if you really want to measure up to his requirements. You need more than faith in Jesus. You need this other stuff, this really powerful stuff. And Paul says that people who teach us, now listen to this, this is serious. He says people who teach that are not holding on tightly to the head that is Christ. They're not relying on Jesus, they're relying on something else. They're relying on some other experience, some other power, some other resource to be acceptable to God. And folks, that is a huge mistake, as a huge mistake. It's just not true. If you're connected to the Son of God, the head of the church, the one who is supreme over all, when we connect to Him by faith and He forgives us of all of our sins and He indwells us with His Spirit and He makes us part of His body, that connects us to all the spiritual resources we are ever going to need. Jesus, listen, if you're connected to the head of the body and you're part of his body, Jesus will make sure that you have everything you need to become the person he wants you to be. He will make sure of it because he's the head of the body and you're part of his body. You hold fast to him and you follow his leading. You depend on his leading. You depend on all the resources that he has for you. I tell you this, I really get tired. I really get tired of this. I get tired of very sincere believers in Jesus being made to feel inferior because somebody told them that unless they haven't had this certain supernatural experience, or if they haven't received this one particular spiritual gift or this gift or whatever gift, then they're living a second-class kind of life, not really connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. That is unbiblical nonsense. Don't be intimidated by that. Just rely on Jesus. 
Rely on Him. Whatever you need to grow, He'll make sure you have it. Listen, I'll tell you what's far more significant than spiritual experiences for growth. I'll tell you what's more, more significant than, far more significant than spiritual experiences for growth. You know what it is? Spiritual relationships. Spiritual relationships. A close, growing relationship with the head, Jesus Christ, and close, not glowing relationships, growing relationships with the members of his body, his people. See, that's what verse 19 is talking about. Look at this. It talks about, it says, the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. That's supernatural. When you grow, when you change, when you become more like Jesus, more loving, more gracious, more forgiving, more accepting, that's supernatural. And how does that happen? It happens when the joints and the ligaments have healthy connections with the head and with each other. You know what you are if you're connected to Jesus by faith? You're a joint. Or a ligament. It's probably not a good thing to say in Washington State. (laughs) Joint a ligament. This kind of joint right here. That's what you are. You are an essential part of his body. And you will experience the growth that comes from God, not by running around looking for a bunch of supernatural experiences, but by living out healthy relationships with the other members of the body as you hold fast to Jesus together. The Bible tells us this again and again. This is all the one another's of Scripture. We read about these all the time. You know, love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, confess your sins to one another, sing to one another, teach to one another. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? See, that's holding on to the head because that's following His directions. That's using the resource He's given us. If you're not growing... If you're not growing, the problem is not that you haven't had enough amazing experiences. The problem is you need to develop stronger spiritual relationships with the other members of the body who will help you hold on to the head better by encouraging you and challenging you and holding you accountable and praying for you. You know, amazing experiences are great. They are great, but if they are not backed up by solid spiritual relationships, they fade, they disappear. And the thing is, they can be dangerous because you can get more excited about an experience than about Jesus. And then you begin to seek more and more experiences and you're not holding fast to the head. Read the book of 1 Corinthians sometime. I mean, these people, they were really into amazing experiences and supernatural manifestations and impressive spiritual gifts. And you know what? They were one of the most immature, selfish, messed up group of people you'd ever run into. 
The evidence of God's work in your life is not the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not downplaying the gifts. I'm not saying they're not important. But that is not the evidence of God working in your life. The evidence of God working in your life is not the gifts of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, and all the rest. Christ-like character. Growing with a growth that's from God. How do you get it? You hold fast to the head. And you're connected to the joints and ligaments. Okay, so if you're connected to Jesus, you are fully acceptable to God. So what? So what? What do we do with this? Well, I'll tell you the first thing is we need to make sure that we're genuinely connected to Jesus. Don't assume. Don't assume. If you've been going to church your whole life, you got Christian parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever, don't assume. God doesn't have any grandchildren. Each one of us must enter into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ personally. So don't assume. Make sure you're holding fast to Him. You're not trusting in something else. Don't trust in your performance. Don't trust in your ability to keep the rules. Don't trust in some amazing spiritual experience you might have had. Hold fast to Jesus. Get to know Him. Rely on Him. Put your your confidence, your hope, your trust completely in Him and in Him alone. And then when you start to feel, if you do ever, that that's not enough, then tell yourself the truth. You know, that's one of the biggest things we have to do in life is preach the truth to ourselves and let others preach the truth to you. Don't let yourself believe you need more than Jesus to be acceptable to God. Don't believe you need more than Jesus to be part of his people. And don't try to improve your standing with God by your fantastic moral performance. That is a total dead-end street. If you belong to Jesus, you don't have a standing to improve. Because you're standing with Jesus. It doesn't get any higher than that. That's how God sees you. You can't improve your standing by moral performance. That doesn't mean moral performance or obedience. But the motive is totally different. Hold fast to Jesus. And realize, realize this, oh, you independent Americans, and I speak to myself as well, realize that having a meaningful connection to the head includes meaningful connections with his people. And if you don't have a church family, I want you to know you're welcome here. You're welcome here. If you want to hold fast to Jesus, we'd love to help you do that. In fact, we have a class coming up in a few weeks called Flight of 101. It's just all about getting introduced to this church and what we believe and why we're here and what we think God wants to do through us, and you'd be welcome. But the main thing to remember is don't let anybody convince you that Jesus isn't enough. Okay, this is Palm Sunday. This coming Friday is Good Friday. That sacrifice that Jesus made, and then Easter Sunday morning rising from the dead, don't ever let yourself think that that wasn't good enough. 
It was more than good enough. God said so. Let's pray. Father, I just am so grateful for this truth because I woke up this morning not feeling good enough. I felt inadequate. I felt uh, like I didn't measure up. And Lord, I know we all go through that at times. And there are messages that we've learned over the years that we tell ourselves or that others tell us that just believing in you, Lord Jesus, isn't enough. And it's not true. It's not true. Lord, will you just... Make yourself and your work and all that you are for us, may you make that so much bigger in our minds and hearts than it might be today. Help us think of ourselves less and help us think a lot more of you and the people you've called us to love and the world you've called us to serve. Lord, we are so amazed and it's so hard for our, our little performance-oriented hearts to get it right. But Lord Jesus, you are our performance. You are our satisfaction. You are the fulfiller of God's law. You are the source of every experience we need. Help us cling to you, we pray in your name. Amen.